Welcome to Christchurch Chislehurst Podcast. This is a sermon given by David about Moses and about a challenge. Perhaps Moses already knew that the route to the Promised Land included crossing the Red Sea, and clearly that would be a challenge to him. But Moses knew what God wanted him to do. Picture a man standing on a rock on top of a precipice. He has walked by a gradual route to the top of a mountain. And he stands to admire the view way, way down below, perhaps a thousand feet. He can see his, he can see his car. He's totally unaware that a very angry goat is charging up behind him. And he looks down and ponders, I wonder which is the quickest way down. About a year ago, not so much as an angry goat, more a raging bull charged up behind Boris Johnson and the government and swept them away off the pinnacle of normality and and blasted them down into a hell of uncertainty. The pandemic was about to strike, to disrupt everything in, our, in all our lives, and maybe make some changes forever. The story of the Israelites and of Moses in the book of Exodus tells of similar challenges. A former vicar of mine used to pronounce the word challenge as challenge. His pro- pronunciation was somehow uh, put into your mind that notion of having a brick wall in front of you that you had to burst through. Everything at the end of his sermon was a challenge that we faced. In the lesson which Amanda read, Moses faced his first rebellion at the hands of the people he had been sent to save. There would be many more rebellions. The the Hebrew slaves had been complaining to Moses. Moses had told Pharaoh to let the Hebrew slaves go. Pharaoh responded by making the slaves uh, the condition of their lives even worse. They were told to collect the material to make bricks, as well as making the bricks them also. The slaves cried out, and Moses despaired. He despaired and cried out to God. He returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, Why have you brought this trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon his people, and you have not rescued your people at all. 
That was verse 22 of, of uh, chapter 5 of Exodus. Moses suddenly was pitched into a new nightmare. He had lived, until God called him, a fairly settled life with his father-in-law. His father-in-law Jethro, herding sheep and goats. He had left the comfort zone and been pitched into a new and great challenge. Moses had, due to the intervention of God, stepped out of normal life, albeit a life away from both his natural and his adopted parentage. He was fairly comfortable with his wife and his status, but now all that life had been swept away and he was landed into a totally different and much more uncomfortable existence. Briefly, I will backtrack for those unfamiliar with the historical narrative. The ancestors of the Hebrew slaves had migrated to Egypt to find food, having found themselves in their homeland struck by famine. Initially, all was well under a benevolent pharaoh. But then their situation changed when a new leader came to power and they were forced as aliens into slavery. Moses had dual parentage, being both Egyptian and Israelite. He had fled Egypt when he had feared a charge of murder. Many years passed with Jethro and his family. Moses was called by God to intervene and lead the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt and to travel to the promised land, Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey, supposedly. Through the power of God, Moses did lead the, the, the Hebrew slaves, as you saw in the spotlight. He led them out of Israel across the sea, out of Egypt, across to freedom, but they did not bargain with the desert. They did not expect a life without easy food or water, nor did they expect to be attacked by another desert tribe, the Amalekites. Each of those challenges beset the children of Israel. And so the children of Israel complained and rebelled. I fear I would have done that also. If we are honest with ourselves, I imagine that were we suddenly to be uprooted from our homes and made to wander around in a desert, facing near starvation, then we too might have rebelled and attacked Moses. But why? Why did Moses act as he did? After all, he could have stayed in this rather comfortable existence with, with Jethro. It 
In Moses chapter 3, we hear this. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush appeared on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called out to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God went on to commission Moses after this spectacular event which changed the life of Moses. Moses was then able to face challenges beyond any that he could have imagined. Even when he despaired, as a leader in soul reality, as the sole leader of his people, Moses was able to overcome challenges beyond our imagining. All right, God gave him Aaron for help, and later on, he appointed other leaders under him. But the buck stopped with Moses. Moses was able to face up to Pharaoh. He was able to face his own people when they rebelled against him. He was able to find water for them and petition God to send manna in the desert for the people to eat how often he despaired, as I'm sure many of us would. Perhaps the most challenging situation Moses had to deal with was when God gave the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 32, we learn that Moses was in the, on the mountain, on his own with God, receiving the law, which he was then to take down to the people. He was a long time in the mountain with God. He, was, he stayed too long with the people, with, away from the people, too long with God, for the people to endure his absence. To such an extent... <clears throat> They made themselves a golden calf to worship and bow down before, even involving Aaron in their idolatry. Moses was so furious with the people when he returned to them 
that he smashed the stone tablets and the golden calf, ground down the gold, mixed it with water and made the people drink it. If you don't believe me, read Exodus chapter 32. Altogether, 40 years were spent in the desert, a time of constant challenges. But Moses stuck to his task. He followed his Lord because of his faith in a God who had spoken to him directly. Moses had his faith. As part of the body of Christ, we inherit that same faith. Yet we have more. We have the Holy Spirit to sustain us also. Very few of us experience God in quite the same way as Moses did. The person of the Holy Spirit sustains us day by day to face up to all life's challenges. We need to have this faith and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who gives us strength to face hardship and even death. Now I have no wish at all to downplay the hardships that people are experiencing. Death, bereavement, loss of work, loss of homes. We have all suffered. But by our faith and the Holy Spirit, we will be carried through this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul tells us that we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. When we stand before our Lord, he will see this and welcome us. This is the certainty we have. Brothers and sisters, embrace it. It will not take away hardship and death or bereavement, but it will give us the peace and the certainty of the love of God to support us in every trial. Father, Walk with us day by day. Give to each of us the faith of Moses. Give to each of us the Holy Spirit to face every trial and tribulation of this life. Amen. Thank you, David. Let's just turn to prayer now. A prayer for Lent. 
We thank you, Father, for those days in the desert when through prayer and fasting, Jesus discovered your will for his life and overcame the temptations of the evil one. Help us during these days of Lent to come close to you and to listen to your voice. Give us strength to overcome the temptation to please ourselves and live life without you. Teach us your way for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And the Archbishop's Prayer during COVID. Watch, O Lord, with those who wake, or watch, or weep today, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend your sick ones, O Lord Christ. Rest your weary ones. Bless your dying ones. Soothe your suffering ones. Pity your afflicted ones. Shield your joyous ones, and all for your love's sake. Amen. And a prayer as we begin the discerning process of finding a new diocesan bishop. Father eternal, enlighten the minds of your faithful people as we discern your will for a new bishop of Rochester. Guide by your Holy Spirit those involved in this process. May our next bishop be a shepherd after your own heart, rooted in prayer, a person of justice and mercy, with a passion for your kingdom, a person of integrity and truth, with a vision for this diocese and your church, that your love may be made known in all the world, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And a prayer for our world. Lord, hear us as we lift before you all who bear the bewildering responsibility of government among the nations of the world. Give them wisdom beyond their own and integrity in all they do. We pray especially for areas of unrest and conflict and for a solution to the current unrest in Myanmar, that the twin demands of democracy and authoritarianism may be reconciled. May your kingdom and your righteousness prevail. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. A Lent meditation on the Israeli wilderness where in our imagination we may join Jesus Christ who spent 40 days alone in preparation for his earthly ministry. Look to the barren hills with the warm sun-kissed wind blowing over our skin. How small we are, Lord. No sound apart from birdsong, dog barking, and the wind blowing across our ears. How small we are, Lord. Beneath our feet, green shoots come into sight. There's life beneath the sun-baked rocks. How small we are, Lord. A monastery carved magnificently from the rock, fed by the stream in the wadi below, by the Jericho Road. How small we are, Lord. This same wilderness was Christ's home for 40 days, seeking his Father's will and strength for his earthly ministry. How small we are, Lord. Christ, the country of your birth, is transient to us. 
yet we can watch and wait on God as Christ did in this same wilderness. How small we are, Lord. Thank you that in the midst of barren land there's life. Thank you for Christian friends to share the Lenten journey with. How big you are, Lord. Thank you. Amen. And as we bring our prayers to an end, join with me in saying the words of the prayer Christ taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We now have our final song, that song of great praise, to God be the glory.
Thank you for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure to be here, the few of us here in church, and we just pray that it won't be long before we can all meet together again. A final prayer as we come to the end of our service. Father, as we come to the end of this stream service in our homes, strengthen us for your work in the wider community. May the words we have heard, said and sung stay with us in our daily life and work to the glory of your name. Amen. Go in the peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.